This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. we produce fruit because we're saved we serve we labor we work we minister because of love love is the source of it all how do we come to the saving knowledge of christ how are we saved love god loved you he left his throne in glory to die on the cross for you it is love why do you have eternal life love why was he faithful and faithful to death on the cross love You can do the right thing with the wrong motivation. You can work hard at your job just to get on the boss's good side. You can pray really eloquently just so that you sound good to others. You can lead a great Bible study just to show people how much you know. You can throw your hands up high during every worship song so you look really devoted. But today, Pastor Eddie encourages you to let the things you do be motivated by love. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, as he continues his message, Better Things for You. The works of Christian is not what saves us, is not you know, what keeps us safe, but is the evidence that we are saved. Everything we do is evidence that person believes in Jesus. Okay, we, we don't work for salvation. And we don't work to keep the salvation. We're saved. Repent. You know, we, we've come to the saving knowledge of Christ, but we work because of salvation. You understand? It's evident that you are, are saved and you're living a Christ-like life. And so... He goes on to say in verse 10, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. God is not unjust for your work and labor of love. Two things that accompany salvation in your life is this. You're saved. You're a mature Christian. Are you working for the kingdom? Are you laboring in love? Ask yourself that question. I know this is hard. I don't think I'm going to get any fan mails. Not that I do. <laughs> you know, this, think about it. The work and labor of love. But here he goes on to, in the beginning, he says, God is not unjust to forget. So God sees all that we do. He knows what you do. And I think, and it's very dangerous for us to think, well, God understands. I don't have to do anything. God understands. You know, life is busy. I got to work. Got to put food on the table. I don't have time for ministry. I don't have time to, you know, to work, labor in the kingdom of God, in ministry. I don't have time for that. You know, work and labor and love. But however, everything we do, we know we do it unto the Lord. Do we not? Everything we do. Paul says, wrote, wrote to the church of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, verses uh, 23 to 24. He says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. And not to men, 
Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. Everything you do. That's right. Even at work. You may say, well, you know, I work for my employer. Yeah. First you work for the Lord. You know, your employer should say, you know, this is the best employee I have. What makes you, why? you're faithful, you know, you're, on, you're early, you're not on time, you're the last one leaving, and you get the work done and then some, and you can get paid like everybody else. We should have the best testimony at work. Because we don't do it, you know, for, as man pleaser, we don't do it for the, for the boss. Yes, we work for him, but ultimately we work for the Lord. Everything we do, we do unto the Lord. And God sees that. He's not unjust to forget what you're doing. He sees and you're going to be a reward. He's going to reward you for that. Quite often we think that everything we do that God doesn't see. God sees everything. The problem is sometimes we want, other, we want people to see what we're doing. So we can get the pat on the back. Oh man, that's a real Christian. Look what he's doing. You know, if you do it for, for man, then guess what? Jesus says you already received your reward. But we don't do it for man because we're not men pleasers. We're God pleasers. And so we do it unto the Lord. God is not unjust, and he will reward you. So now, he goes on to, with the work and labor of love, is important to understand that's the fruit right there. The fruit of what you do as a believer that accompanies your salvation, it all stems from love. That's why we serve. That's why we produce fruit, because of love. Of love. Paul writes to the church of Galatia in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Now look at that word love. It's a fruit, I'm sorry. It says, and the fruit of the spirit. It is not the fruits, plural. It is fruit. It's singular. The attributive noun is singular, and it points to love. The other eight words, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, faithfulness, gentleness, these are adjectives. This is the byproduct of love. So it's not the fruits of the period, singular, but it is love. And because we produce fruit, because we're saved, we serve, we labor, we work, we minister because of love. Love is the source of it all. How do we come to the saving knowledge of Christ? How are we saved? Love. God loved you. He left his throne in glory to die on the cross for you. It is love. Why do you have eternal life? Love. Why was he faithful and faithful to death on the cross? Love. Our enemies. What did Jesus say? What would you do to our enemies? Love your enemies. Love one another. It's all love. You know, when you understand the love of God and you start your labor of love, you're producing fruit and you're serving people. You're glorifying God. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34, 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as, as, which how much did Christ love us to death on the cross? As I have loved you. That's the command. Love one another as Christ loved you. Before, you know, yes, let's love others, but understand how much we're to love others as Christ loved you. How much Christ loved you. Ponder on that. 
that ye also love one another, verse 35, by this, all would know, here's the fruit. How would they know? They see the fruit. By this, all would know that you're my disciples if you love one another. There's the fruit. You love one another. You're serving. Why are you serving? Well, because it's love. You know, God loved me, and, you know, he was faithful to the cross. He died on the cross. So in verse 10, he says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, and that you minister to the saints and do minister. And he's pointing to the service that they're doing to, in the church. Saints, listen, it's important that we serve one another, especially in the church. We need to encourage one another. You know, many of us, we leave through these doors. We go back home. We go through our daily life, right? You go to work. Nobody is saved at work. You probably go home with other you know, members of your family are not saved. You know, you have, tomorrow morning, you got to go to work. Everywhere you go, you go to the supermarket, no one's saved. This is where we, get, where we get to encourage one another. We get to serve one another. A brother needs help. We help a brother because that is what we're called to do. Mature Christians know ultimately also when they serve, it's not about me, myself, and I. It's not about me, myself, and I. And, and, and that's foreign to us because as a child is born, that's the first thing the child would think about themselves. How many times you see a child take whatever they want? This is mine, you know? And they just take it. It's mine. No, it's mine. It's not yours. It's your mother's curling iron and it's plugged in. Give it back to me. <laughs> you know, it's not yours. It's always about me, myself, and I. Is, is, is not about others. That's foreign to the world. That's foreign to the flesh. But when we come to Christ, it's about others. It's about others. Christ came and set that example. And, and, and you know, if you look at the acronym, you look at joy, J-O-Y. Think about that. When you serve, think about joy. J, Jesus first. O for others, second. Y, yourself last. Others, Jesus, others, and yourself Last, and when we do serve, it's not to feel good. I have a problem when people say, you know, I do this. You know, it makes me feel good when I do it. It's still self, hello. You don't serve to make yourself feel good. You serve that God gets the glory and that a need is met. It's not that you feel good. It's it's still serving. It's all about self. It makes me feel good when I do good. (laughs) You know, it should be we serve because... I serve God when I serve others. I serve, I serve others. That's the way Christ set the example. Not to make me feel good. Who cares? The war is in heaven. As a matter of fact, when we're going to get a crown, what are we going to do? The Bible says we're going to cast out crowns. Because when we get this crown in heaven, we're going to realize I've done nothing to deserve it. <laughs> I deserve eternal damnation. <laughs> I deserve hell. I deserve the wrath of God. Just the fact that I've been saved, born again through Jesus Christ is good enough for me. Now I'll go to heaven. God's going to give you a crown. Say, really, Lord, I'm, I'm up here because of you. Everything I did was because of you. Nothing of my own strength. I'm going to cast my crown. It's all about the Lord because, you know, it's all about him. Jesus set the example. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You're not come to be served, but to serve. Think about that. 
The reality is we serve a master that set the example for serving, but yet we want people to serve us. There are ministers who have the title minister. They want to be served. But if they understand the word minister in the Greek means to serve, they got it backwards. Hello. That's what, that's what the word means. A minister is one who serves. But now you have ministers today who want to be served. It's gone backwards. It's all about me, myself, and I. You know, we are called to serve, and that is the labor of love. That's the fruit that he's talking about. We labor in love. The reality is, you know, there's no such thing. It's oxymoronic, if you will, that a Christian who's a Christian doesn't serve. There's no such thing in the Bible as a Christian who doesn't serve. You don't find it. When you read the scriptures as Christians and you find associated with Christian, those that serve Christ, serve. Serve. Fruitful. It doesn't make sense, but we, we become so complacent and throughout centuries, we forget what a Christian is all about. We have four gospel saints. Listen, four gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in all four gospels, you find Jesus serving. As a matter of fact, you would not find not one, listen, not one out of the four gospels, not one, not once you'll find in the gospels where Jesus performed a miracle for himself. The miracles he performed, the supernatural, miraculous miracles, was for others. Think about it. All the power he could have had. He could have turned the stones into bread. (laughs) But no. For many reasons. Jesus set the example what it's like to serve, to be fruitful. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, it says, Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, many stop there, but also for the interests of others. And then he goes on to say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the one that we follow, the one in which we call ourselves Christians, we follow him, we're his disciples. He set the example. Let that mind be in you. Let's not let it be selfish, let it not be like the world. It's foreign. We always think about self, me, myself, and I. I need to feel good. I have needs. You know, if you concentrate the needs of others, God would take care of your needs. I've seen it over and over. Seek the kingdom first, all things will be added to you. Because when you're concerned about other people's needs, God sees that. He rewards you. He says, I know your needs. Because Jesus said, the Father knows of your needs even before you even ask for it. <laughs> and God is faithful. God would never forget your labor of love. Now, another sign of a a spiritually mature Christian is being diligent, being diligent. Look at verse 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Keep on. Be diligent in what you're doing until the end. What does it mean to the end? Uh, When you stand in glory before the Lord. (laughs) It's not, okay, you, you, you gave, you know, oh, you've been a Christian 20 years? Okay, you retire now. <laughs> you retire from being a Christian. Then you're going to be in a Christian nursing home like me. No, I'm not going to be. You retired. Then he goes in verse 1 and says, but you 
Do not become sluggish. That's that same word we use. We saw in chapter 5, verse 11, dull. That's what started this whole thing. That's what kind of got the right of Hebrews, um, you know, putting a hold on speaking about the high priest, Jesus as the great high priest, now he's speaking about immature Christians, those that have fallen away, and he says, you don't be like that. We already went over those who are spiritually immature. They were dull, unable to teach, unable to discern. There's no fruit in them. You do not become sluggish. It's a warning. Don't become dull. Listen to what God has to say. And I know there are many here that, you know, I had good work ethics because I learned that from my parents. But they're those that work and they do great. You know, they... Up in the morning, go to bed at night, there's not a time that they sit down. And that's great. You know, that's good. That's the way God designed it, by the way. Good, you know, hard work never hurt anybody, right? But we, we you know, if we do that spiritually, can you imagine? We only apply that to life. I got to work. I got to, you know, and it's the only way I can move on in life and things would be well. But he's talking about your relationship with Christ, your spiritual life, which is really important. We're good. We're good at keeping schedules, work, going to work, you know, getting, you know, putting food on the table. We're good at that. But how about the spiritual part of it? You know, I want to read this Proverbs, and I'm going to give it, read it to you in the New Living Translation so that we could understand a little bit more. In, in Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34, uh, Solomon writes this. This is what he writes. He said, I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with needles. It was covered with weeds, and its walls were broken down. Then, as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then, then, Poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. This is not talking. Yes, that's the illustration. It's a visual illustration, but it, it applies spiritually. Just apply this, uh, this proverb to your spiritual life. You know, a little, you know, extra sleep, you know, don't need to worry about reading my Bible. Don't need to worry about, you know, having my devotion or prayer. Let's put that aside. Oh, a little slumber. I'm going to fold my hands now. And guess what? It's going to pounce on you like a bandit. It'll attack you like a robber. Remember, saying is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the weakest, immature Christian will be devoured. They will be devoured. You need to be fruitful. You need to grow in your faith. And trust him, don't be sluggish. So here, you know, he's encouraging. He's talking to the, you know, it's we now. He's talking to those, not those that have fallen away, because those, they already probably left already. Hopefully they repent and came back. I don't know. But he's encouraging those who are mature in faith to stay there. Don't become, be diligent. Don't become sluggish. But, he says at the end of verse 12, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Look to those who, not, you're not saying look to man. Uh, our hope is not in man, it's in Jesus Christ. But there are those that, that really uh, stay the course. Or those who didn't compromise their faith. And I can tell you, you know, I look at like Chuck Smith and, and Billy Graham. When I was a kid, always looked at them. You know, in my office, I have quotes just to remind, you know. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Are they imitating Christ? That's why they're disciples. That's why they're apostles. That's why they're leaders. They're pastors. Don't look to me, trust me. But, you know, the point is, I've looked at people, even their life today, pastors of large churches, and I, I, I don't know how they made it through. And I try to say, you know, I don't compare myself with people, but I say, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't know what would I do. I, I don't know if I can handle that. But it's by God's grace. And I'm grateful for their faithfulness to the Lord. I'm grateful for their faithfulness. So we see this, Paul tells it, imitate me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Look to those who stay the course, who don't compromise. <laughs> not because they're likable people. I mean, we, there's so many people that are likable, but they're not living a life that's biblical. You know what I mean? They're likable, but they are compromising, and they just, you know, they compromise a lot about the word of God. Make sure they're in the word of God. Later on, the writer of Hebrews is going to give us uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And there he lists up all the men and women of faith. They call it the hall of faith, chapter 11. He goes from Abel, from Cain and Abel, to, to, Noah, to Enoch, to Noah, uh, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac. He goes on and, and just said, by faith, by faith, by faith. So he says, be diligent. Don't be dull. Don't be sluggish. Follow those. And look, ultimately, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, he writes, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's who we look to. And when we look to him, what happens? You know, you know, it is through Christ. You know, we have no needs. That the psalmist said, I have no need. Rain came upon my life. And God has provided everything for me to grow and mature in my faith. To glorify him so I can grow and also bless others. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. Therefore, my beloved, he's talking to believers, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out with your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear it. Something accompanies salvation. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Amen. I encourage you, be fruitful Christians. Don't take your relationship side. It's a, with fear and trouble, work out your salvation. It's not working for salvation. It's because you have salvation. There should be a work in your life, personally, to glorify God, ultimately to glorify God. And we need to grow, produce what we're blessing other people. Examine yourself. Do a little fruit inspection in your life. You know, are you being fruitful or... Thorns and thistles, continue to grow in your faith with Jesus. Amen. Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? Pastor Eddie has been making his way through the book of Hebrews in a series, Jesus is Better. We're learning some great truths about Jesus coming to be all that the Old Testament had talked about. The strength of God's Word and how it's fulfilled is something mighty to ponder. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, 
and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We pray that God's Word has been a discerner of your heart today. We're so glad you joined us for Running the Race. Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you in the book of Hebrews, so make sure you come back to hear more next time, here on Running the Race.